Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to David Locke coming up here momentarily. Locke's interview each and every week brought to you by our friends at the Murdoch Auto Group. In fact, uh, let's go ahead and get out to the T-Mobile special guest line. Uh, T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. The radio voice of the Utah Jazz, our friend David Locke. David, what's going on? How are you doing today, buddy? I'm not doing very well, thank you, Jake Scott. How are you? I'm doing okay. I, I figured you might be struggling a little bit today. It's always so abrupt when the season comes to an end and feels like you go from so high to just kind of absent in a matter of moments. Yeah, I just, you know, love, like, the preparation for – I was pretty ready to dig in for 36 hours of, like, endless prep and, like, four hours of sleep and know everything about the Clippers and just – it just wasn't – I just wasn't ready for it to end. It's such a bizarre – weird season so like in some ways it feels like you know our off season was longer than it kind of feels like we had our off season so you just started and then stopped again and i don't know it's just really bizarre so yeah no i have this one's been a little harder for me than houston last year we were you know you knew you were in houston you had kind of the last dinner everyone kind of knew what was coming and um maybe the year before you did a little bit too with houston um didn't 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 see that one coming and obviously felt like you were going to win the series at one point in time. So, um, yeah, really, really just kind of just find myself kind of stupering around the house today. How surprised were you, David, the nature of game seven after what we had seen in the first six games? Um, every aspect of game seven stunned me. One that, you know, obviously nobody could, nobody scored. Nobody had a three pointer in the fourth quarter. Um, either team, um, frankly, the Jazz just didn't seem to have a lot of zest early, um, and then had just this incredible like drive late to get back in the game. Like I would have never thought we were down 19, and I would have never thought that we got back in the game after being down 19. So, yeah, I mean, in just so many so many levels, that game was not something that I ever anticipated. What do you think was the biggest factor in this series? Oh, Jokic. Un- even with Jamal Murray's... Jamal Murray's unguardable because of Jokic. Um, and then Jokic made all the plays last night. Um, but you just can't... There's just things you can't do defensively because of him. He's just that special an offensive player. So he scores 30 points. Uh how do you evaluate Rudy Gobert and his performance against Jokic? And I ask that because Rudy's defensive responsibilities are so comprehensive. It seems like at times he has to cover the entire floor, or at least cover every uh, every player as they uh, you know drive into the basket and whatnot. Uh, was was Gobert less than his normal standard against Jokic? You know, I thought there were a few areas where Rudy was brilliant, and then there's a few areas where maybe Rudy might have some regret. Um, so, I mean, for the most part, we actually took them out of the Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic game, which is what give Denver some real credit here. They, 
they were Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic team all season long and almost nothing else. And then by game four, they weren't running it hardly at all. I think they only ran the pick and roll between the two of them like 10, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11 times um, in games five, six. And I didn't see the numbers on game seven. Um, so they really went, you know, Gobert took them away from that. They didn't want Jamal Murray driving into Gobert. They didn't, uh, you know, I thought Rudy defended Jokic pretty well, forcing Ron Boone pointed this out on the broadcast last night, forcing him to his left hand. Um, and then uh, every time he went to his left hand, every time he drove left, then he had to bring it back to his right and he couldn't get the shot off because of Rudy. So I thought Rudy was great on that. With that said, then why aren't you closing out harder? Right? Like, how is he getting seven threes in the game? He can't drive with his – when he drives left and he always comes back to right and you're so long and so unbelievably and so incredibly skilled that you've taken that away from him. Maybe Rudy didn't realize he's taken that away from him until later in the series. But, you know, I think Rudy's going to look back at some of those closeouts on some of those three-point shots and think, you know, I could have been more aggressive on that. Um, you know, Rudy's impact on the def- on the offensive end was his usual self, just being able to be on top of the rim. But – you know, at the same time, one of his warts has been his inability to score if there's a person in between him and the basket, and that showed itself again. And it didn't seem to matter if it was Monte Morris or or Gary Harris or Torrey Craig or Nikola Jokic. I think he went one of eight outside the restricted area, and I'm not sure he made one last year in the playoffs outside the restricted area. So I think he's something like, you know, one of 17 over the last two years outside the restricted area in the playoffs. Like, that's he's got to get better at that. Like, I mean, it's not a strength, right? He's 30% shooter on that during the regular season. But if Rudy's going to develop something, it's got to be that when he rolls, if he catches and there's someone in between him and the basket, he's got to find a way to add that offensively. So, I mean, I think he was brilliant overall. And his seven offensive rebounds in the second, in the fourth quarter were amazing. Um, but on the other end, like we didn't have an offensive rebound in the first half last night. Like, how do we not have an offensive rebound in the first half on 19 misses, I think it was, in a game seven? Like, really? So I found myself very perplexed on kind of the, everything that took place. And I do love the playoffs because they expose every ward of every player. And I, and I don't mean that, like, as though this – like, they were exposed the warts of Giannis, right? And we watched LeBron for years get his warts exposed in the playoffs. Like, this is the beauty of the playoffs. They were – they – they exposed the wart of every player in the playoff, of, of, the, of, of every team everywhere. That's not specific to Rudy or Joe Ingles or Mike Conley or Donovan Mitchell. Like, we're going to watch the warts get exposed of, of Giannis right now by Miami today. And he's the MVP. So that's the beauty of the playoffs, and I think some of those warts got exposed. Well, let's talk about Joe Ingles kind of along those same lines, David. Um, you know, he had his, uh, a couple of moments during the series. I don't, I don't think it was all uh, subpar by any means. But why do you think he struggled again this year in the playoffs? Oh, it's two years in a row, though, so that's a yeah. little disconcerting. Um, I mean, I think probably – I do think that we run a creative enough offensive system with what Quinn calls advantage basketball – and we acquire talent to match that offensive system. So credit to Dennis and Justin. And through an 82-game regular season or whatever the heck it was this year, we are putting players in positions to succeed with regularity. By the time you get into a playoff series, that offensive system is going to run a little less frequently 
and and you're not going to be in as advantageous positions as you were. And so I think that gets exposed a tiny bit on some of these guys. Um, and so that's why, you know, frankly, most players don't get better in the playoffs. Howard Isley, I remember, Gordon will remember this, like Howard Isley somehow always got better in the playoffs. I was like, how's that happening? Because nobody else is. Um, you know, and Royce O'Neal has actually done that until this year where he always seemed to, like, get a little bit better in the playoffs, and you wondered why. Um, in that case, often it's because they, they left Royce to make plays and he made them. Um, but I think that's a little bit of what's gone on with Joe the last two years is just that, you know, Houston switching system. And we really became an isolation drive basketball team to get the blender going in a lot of these games. And then, um, you know, if there's a ward on Joe, they found that they could put Torrey Craig, Jeremy Grant, Gary Harris, one of their athletic guys on the, on the weak side or on the far side and have that one person guard the two shooters out there at the same time and not be either the release of Joe's three, which he's worked on so much. He didn't get an offer that when he drove, they weren't, if he drove a closeout, they weren't particularly concerned about it. Um, but that's how they clearly felt about, you know, they, they hugged to the strong side shooter, which was often Conley if Donovan's rolling and they brought somebody in off the, off the wing and got him in underneath Rudy. And then, we just talked about like Rudy's not great if he's outside the restricted area, so they were all right with that. And then they, then they had one guy on the weak side that was guarding both of the shooters on that side. And since Joe and Royce sometimes can be reluctant shooters, they were able to get away with it. So all that being said, David, if you had to pick one area that the Jazz would uh, most benefit from improvement or by addition, what would you single out? So I mean, this is. We're going we're gonna to do the reverse side. So a year ago, we'd all say, we need good shooters, right? So we went and got right. our good shooters. Now we're going to say we need athletic defensive players, right? Like that's going to be our next answer. Mm-hmm. And you kind of got to make a choice between them, right? You're either getting Torrey Craig, who's great, long, athletic defensive player, shoots 32%. Jeremy Grant's kind of unique in the sense he shoots about 38%, and he's pretty athletic, so give him credit for that. Um but you know what a really long, athletic, good defensive player can shoot is? An all-star. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> a highly paid NBA player. Right. And their warts are going to get exposed in the playoffs, too. So this is nothing. But that's like, so, you know, truly, like, we came out, we had Jay Crowder and Ricky Rubio, who were pretty good defensive players, and they were long, and they were pretty athletic, and they couldn't hit the backside of a barn if it was sitting right in front of them against Houston. And they were awful. And, they, I mean, they were so – let's not forget how awful they were on open threes, right? I mean, it was just a disaster. And so we turned around and said, well, we got to get shooters. Well, we got one of the best shooters in the world. He, his wrist broke his wrist, and he wasn't out there. And so now some of our guys are, you know, we, we, we're a little smaller and we're not as athletic. And, well, that's because we solved the other problem. So to some extent, like, that's, that how, that's how it works. Um, and, you know, our best player is getting better. And that's the positive thing because what really wins in these playoff series is our, you know, what, when Gordon asked me the question was Jokic, Jokic Murray, like, right, Murray and Mitchell, but Jokic was really special and he made it impossible to guard Murray. And, you know, Jimmy Butler dropped 40 and Miami beat Milwaukee and Jason Tatum's playing out of his head and Boston's upsetting Toronto, who doesn't seem to have that guy right now. And, you know, LeBron and Kawhi Leonard are going to go play each other in the conference finals unless James Harden figures out how to play fourth quarters tonight. And 
the you know that's what we need and our best guy is getting better we just watched our our superstar take a massive jump in his third plus year um plus because you know we're later into the process than we were normally and and he did what naturally you do over time um you know so i think that that's that's really what we have but you know there aren't a lot of you know jason tatum's doing something pretty special as a third year player right now to be carrying his team he's got he's got a lot of help around him but he's that's a that's a unique circumstance to have a player with that limited um, experience be carrying a team like that. So, David, is what you're saying is that it's is it just uh, unreachable for the Jazz to, to 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 really make marked improvement, or is it all up to the best player getting better? Well, I mean, we're. We're one play here or there away from being in the final playing, right? Like, I mean, it's not like we got blown out. I mean, it's ba- it's too bad we lost three in a row, and I think we all feel like it's a series we should have won, and we were up 15. And you know what? I'm pretty certain if this same group of guys is up 3-1, up 15, they're going to win that next series. Like, they blew it. Like, they little lack of experience there. They hadn't they hadn't been there before. They, they, they let off the gas and let the momentum get away from them, and I think they now know how painful that is, right? And – um, but they hadn't experienced that before, and there were other factors that played into that, certainly, with all of the, the different things that are taking place in the bubble. And um, But, that, you know, that's the story to me is that, hey, these guys are up 3-1, they're up 15, and they they seem to relax a little bit, right? Like, you know, Rudy goes like seven quarters without an offensive rebound. Like, that's not great. And, you know, Joe goes a little period of time where he's not that great, and Donovan has a little stretch where, you know, like, oops. Like I think, and then they had a really hard time regaining the momentum of the series until they were absolutely desperate down 19, and they then regained it. But that's the tenacity that they need to play three-one. And I'm pretty damn certain if they're up three-one next year in the playoffs, they'll they'll do it. And you know, you know how Denver learned that is Denver lost a series to Portland last year because of it, and almost lost a series to San Antonio because of it. So, I mean, I think that's just kind of what we're seeing is it's not that they're, you know, Donovan's progression and Rudy getting better is what really is going to matter for this franchise. But we were a player two away from being in this final four. And I think we would have given the Clippers a battle. Like the Clippers, I don't know how we would have scored their defense. If it plugs in, is probably more than we can handle, but we give them a hard time. They don't like to play us. And Paul George and Kawhi Leonard become exclusively mid range shooters because they, they don't have a stretch five the way Jokic causes his defensive problems. They don't have that. So that would have been a hell of a series. I would have loved to see it. I don't, you know, again, I don't know if we could have scored, but, but like when the year started, I think the hope was we were the third best team in the Western conference. Right. Right. I mean, I think some people got a little excited and thought we were going to be better than the Clippers and the Lakers, but not really. I mean, if we were really honest about it, we have a third-year star, and they have guys that have won titles. That's a pretty big quantum leap. And um, so, you know, we were a play or two away from probably being the third-best team in the West, even without Boyan Bogdanovich. David Locke with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And, uh, David, realizing that the season ended yesterday, so if you want to uh, change your opinion on this in the future, feel free. But give me a little review of Mike Conley's first season with the Jazz. You know, I think – I'll speak for myself, not anyone else. I thought Mike Conley was more of a natural point guard. Um, from his time in Memphis, he's actually a scoring guard. Um, and, you know, he played that two-man game with Gasol, and so I think I got that impression that he was 
kind of a natural point guard. It's not really who he is. He's he's really it's not um you know, the same way Jamal Murray's not, frankly. You know, the best two man game we've seen since Conley and Gasol is now Jokic and Murray. Um so I was surprised by that and then I think um he adapt and, and because of that, when you have Donovan Mitchell and Boyan Bogdanovich and then Rudy Gobert needing possessions, like I think Mike was really uncomfortable to start the year because he's used to having a massive usage rate and being a scorer, and I think that's what he is. Um, whereas when we got him, I was more under the impression that, oh, we have a distributor who can do all these things, you know, get, and, and that's not um, – that didn't turn out to be true. And so once he figured out how to do that and still be a scorer and they put him on the second unit to let him be that scorer, then it got a lot better. And he was really good in the bubble. He was bad last night, um, unfortunately. Um and we're going to have to figure out if he, you know, when he takes his option and comes back, like there's some, you know, he's small and aging and we knew that when we got him, that's not a big surprise, but that changes a little bit of who he is. So we're going to have to figure that out. Like he's not, he's not finishing at the rim at a great rate anymore. And he's still quick enough to drive by people, but he probably doesn't quite have the explosion. He might've once had to be able to get by people and get all the way to the rim. And so that's an, that's an adjustment for him. And Donovan's pretty darn good with the ball in his hands. So, we're gonna to have to figure out how we how we use Mike off the ball to take advantage of the fact he's one of the best shooters in the world. And I think we saw all those things taking place. He'll be better. He'll be better next year for the entire year than he was for the entire year this year. And he'll probably be as good as he was, you know, in the final eleven games pre-suspension, and then as good as he was post post with the bubble. David, I know it's a bit of a tired uh, subject, but uh, it's not so tiring when you see. Rudy and Donovan react to each other the way they did on the floor last night where it was looked like true camaraderie. Uh, is that what it is? You know, I don't know, Gordon. I'll, I'll be honest. I wasn't there. I haven't interacted with them. I thought Rudy and Donovan's comments after the game were encouraging. Um, I thought Rudy's comments were particularly encouraging. And, you know, in, in her line in Rudy's comments was kind of an admission that it wasn't great beforehand. Um I actually think there's some real positiveness to that. Like the Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid dance that they keep pretending they get along when they pretty obviously don't, at least according to every report everyone's ever had around the entire league. And maybe that's not true, but you know, they say they're fine. So we should take them at their value. But I actually would feel better about two people who say, you know what? We don't go to dinner every night. It's not natural. We have our issues and we're learning to work through them. I'm more comfortable with that than what I think is a false pretense of, oh, no, we get along great, because that means you're not trying to get along. So, David, this is an overall NBA take, but i got to run it by you because I've been running it by all of our, our my basketball friends and the people. My Celtics Clippers pick to start the playoffs is looking really good right now? It is looking really good. You're right. Okay, but I want to ask you about Jimmy Butler because I've got the, the heat and the bucks on here in, in the, the background. Uh, of course, just as you asked me that, they go to uh, go to a commercial uh, break. Uh, I apologize. I'll update you in one second. But I'll watch it. Uh, I'll watch it later tonight if I get out of my sullen, depressed Mode forty four thirty two, uh, heat on top. Woo, doggy. Yeah, how about that? Woo. So one Jim, and two seeds going down in the bubble. Jimmy Butler goes to Minnesota. You know things fall fall apart around him in in Chicago. He ends up getting traded to to Minnesota. He gets this reputation as a malcontent when really his only complaint there was that the young you know quote unquote stars 
play hard and work hard and and actually prepare you know to to play NBA basketball. It doesn't work out there. He gets he gets traded to Philadelphia where he gets into a similar circumstance with young star players and there's a little bit of entitlement there as you kind of alluded to in your last answer. Again, he gets this bad reputation as a malcontent. He goes to Miami where he's got a young hungry team, not entitled team, but a hungry team with good young players who are willing to learn and be led and all of a sudden this this hard-nosed you know, leadership turns into one heck of a basketball team that's playing out of their minds right now. I think people have had Jimmy Butler wrong all along. Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, so, you know, what there is in Miami is that there's no other best player. Right. Bam Adebayo is really good. Yes. But it's Jimmy's show, right? Yep. So the rightful order of the basketball universe is pretty well established in Miami. And maybe Jimmy Butler's not willing to be a part of something where he's not the kingpin of the rightful order of the basketball universe. That's true. That's true. That and so with Carl Anthony that. Towns and Andrew Wiggins and Ben, ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, I don't know. I'm just speculating. Um, Jimmy's a little rough around the edges. So I don't think his approach is always the perfect approach. Um, but maybe his – I think that's the best way to describe Jimmy is that his 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 point and his message might often be right. The approach to get there has not always been right. I could see that because but like, I, I – But like who – you know, on that level, it's like sometimes that's – who am I, right? That's That's – you know, corporate media telling you how you're supposed to act. Well, maybe that's not actually how it works. I love that story of when he was uh, unhappy in Minnesota and he flew in, goes to practice, says, give me the four worst players on the team, and he goes and beats the other starters in five-on-five. Five. I, I thought that, right. I love that story. And, and maybe you're right. You know, I think you put a good perspective, Mick. Maybe he's got a, a, a jerk and a hard edge kind of thing going that doesn't work with other prima donnas. But I'll tell you what, you put some young players around him and let him be the guy, they're pretty good. Right. They're pretty good, David. Well, he's one of the most interesting stories in the league, if you know his background. I mean, his background is he is blindside for basketball. Right. And then the, and the family that housed him is the former BYU wide receiver, Leslie. Jordan Leslie, right. Mm-hmm. But evidently – he might have been enough rough around the edges that you didn't actually really want to house him all the time. But I mean, this is a guy who faxed his letter of recruit, his letter of intent letter to the JC from a McDonald's because he didn't have a home. Amazing. Pretty flipping incredible. Incredible. No doubt. Right now he's hanging out. Now he's hanging out with Mark Wahlberg all the time and his best friends, right? Like it's pretty wild. Like what his like life story is. And so who am I to ever judge Jimmy Butler? Um, and Andrew Wiggins was not very good, and Carl Anthony Towns has not turned out to be able to win yet. So, you know, his teams have always been better when he's on them. I love asking you questions, David, that you have to completely guess on, uh, and you can't reach into your bag of research to uh, to lean on. But uh, I got news for you. Apparently, Greg Popovich's house has been put on the market in San Antonio, and I wonder if uh, if he might be headed uh, maybe to another franchise somewhere. Well, I said when we finished the season on our broadcast, you may recall, um, 
remember we played our final game of the year in San Antonio, and you, I, I, you know, wondered whether this was Pop's final game. Um, so I think that's a. At some time, it's coming to an end, and it feels like it's coming to an end in San Antonio. Like his his spot there doesn't seem to make a lot of sense right now. Now Jerry worked through it, so who knows. The other part of Pop, we have to remember, is his wife passed away probably two years ago. Yeah. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, what is, like, the house might be up for sale for that reason. And, like, what is his, and he's had, you know, he's had a year, I think his wife passed away in the middle of last season. So now he's had a full year of as a widower trying to figure out what his life is. I mean, he's got every right in the world to make the next evaluation of how he wants to live and who he wants to be in. You know, is that in Brooklyn, as the rumors are, with Sean Marks, who he has a relationship with? Is that, you know, is that not doing any of this and just maybe coaching USA basketball? Is that just retiring? Um, I had the grand theory that he was going to retire and then appoint Becky so that his final act was to create the first woman coach in the NBA, but I've been informed that that's unlikely. Well, David, I want to take a second uh, to congratulate you on another great year. It was a it was a hard one. It was a bizarre one. Uh, but you and Boone just do a great job. Congrats. Well, Ron's the best. It's a pleasure to be with him every day. He's a, he's a treasure. Uh, thanks to you and all those long nights of work. I always, you know, the pre pre and post game show kind of doesn't always get the accolades it deserves when you're doing a regular talk show and you're doing that um, as I did for years in Utah and Seattle. I know how much work that is. So I appreciate all the efforts that you put in. And I think we've, we've done a nice job over the last few years of integrating that into the show and making it a broadcast. I mean, we really, I hope, you know, in, it's interesting to me in 1996, we were the first team ever to put live microphones in each locker room and to bring that type of coverage and have live microphones running around the arena before the games as well in 96. And I don't think anyone's followed us even now, even almost 20 years later, Hmm. Um, you know, we're still more than 20 years later. Wow. I'm old. Um, you know, we're still doing things on our pre halftime and post game coverage. That's uh, unprecedented across the league. And that's because uh, we have the support of management and the radio station, but also because we have, you know, avid jazz fans that are interested and want to see it. They don't want the, they don't want a, a garbage, you know, guys talk pregame show. They want an actual basketball pregame show. And I'm super appreciative to work in a market where people really want basketball and are, are huge fans. So thanks to you, Jake, and thanks to the fans who uh, who support us. And a huge shout-out to uh, Travis Henderson, who I, I, I believe really took the lead on our broadcasting over the last period of time and gave us as good a position as we could have to try to put together the best broadcast in a unique circumstance. But we're, you know, things we couldn't do. I can't sleep still because of the flipping eight-second call and not being able to see it. Um <laughs> It's just gnawing at me that, like, the most important play of the entire season, you know, we couldn't call. And last night, the, you know, you couldn't call the final play because you couldn't see whether Plumlee was back on Donovan to know what was open or not open the way you'd want to. But, you know, that's that's the position we were in. And we got the best we did. I thought we got the setup that was the best we could in the environment. I'll say one thing, David. I do like uh, watching a game on uh, ABC and having uh, and hearing your voice on the call in the highlights that was pretty cool so uh, i didn't uh, hear that that's cool i didn't hear yeah, that yeah, well, you know i'm still a kid inside like i might have a 5 in front of my age now for the first time but uh, <laughs> i'm not going to lie to you the the things that you dreamed of when you were 
a young kid to have your highlight calls on things and um, be able to, you know, call NBA games and, and be a part of it still are as special to me as when I was a kid dreaming of them at, you know, running around my house at nine years old and 12 years old and telling my dad at somewhere in that range that I was going to be that guy when listening to Hot Rod. It's still just as special to me. And I didn't know that they used it, but that, that, that's cool stuff. I still, I'm still a child. I still, or I'm still a narcissist, one of the two. Um, and Jake, so Jake I, did you did you know that I've actually been I've actually seen David's bedroom that I grew up in with the sports uh, posters all over the wall and uh, yeah where he where he hatched those dreams. Well, that's really yeah. weird, Gordon. But no, I didn't know that. Yeah, we did live remotes from the lockhouse in the old days. We did. Some, I don't know why we were there. Probably a college bowl game or what was it? I can't remember. Oh. I do Why remember going, going to the gates of Stanford and you saying to uh, Kevin Graham and me, there it is. I remember that. There it is. The best place in the world. Couldn't get there, but tried. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, David. We we appreciate it. And, and hey, by the way, just because the jazz season's done doesn't mean your big show obligations are over either. So you better keep your phone on. Well, I'm going to take off somewhere. I, I'll keep my phone on. I, uh, I'm, I'm going to hopefully not be as outrageous as uh, – uh, what was the what's the what's the uh, into the wild? Um, <laughs> yeah, don't do that. I, don't do that. I, I I I'm I'm taking off somewhere at some point. The the gypsy in me has been home for way too long. Yeah, go hey, get David, it, buddy. And uh, thanks for your advice on the uh, conversation we had the other yeah. day. That was uh, yeah. that was helpful. Thank you. My new my new toy may allow me to be that gypsy. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, David. You're the best. <laughs> See ya. Our friend David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll fill our listeners in on that. Uh, David and I had a conversation about RVs. Oh, I uh, I thought it would be Ferraris, but RVs, no. that's probably in a similar price range. Uh, coming up next, we have Drop of the Day, which I today's selection is, I find it absolutely hilarious. Uh, it, it involves politics, but... Not really. Uh, we want to remind you about our friends at Syringa Networks, home to complete business, telecom, and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communication for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. When I say politics, Gordon, I think this is something that we all need to get behind. How about that? I'll put that <laughs> okay. tease in there. All right? I know exactly what you're talking about, so stay tuned and listen. We'll get to it next, 97.5 and 1280 at The Zone. show time for drop of the day also known as sounds of various clips depending on who you talk to uh gordon uh, this is political but i think a cause we all really need to get behind uh this is uh, from the lincoln nebraska city council meeting and a brave american got up to make his plea i promise i won't take up too much of your time here my name is andrew christensen uh, i live at 1212 twin ridge road Lincoln has the opportunity to be a social leader in this country. We have been casually ignoring a problem that has gotten so out of control that our children are throwing around names and words without even understanding their true meaning and treating things as, as though they're normal. I go into nice family restaurants and I see people throwing this name around and pretending as though everything is just fine. I'm talking about boneless chicken wings. I propose that we as a city remove the excuse me I'm trying to yeah excuse me sure. come on I propose that we as a city remove the name boneless wings from our menus and from our hearts 
These are our reasons why. Number one, nothing about boneless chicken wings actually come from the wing of a chicken. We would be disgusted if a butcher was mislabeling their cuts of meats, but then we go around and pretending as though the breast of the chicken is its wing. Number two, boneless chicken wings are just chicken tenders, which are already boneless. I don't go to order boneless tacos. I don't go and order boneless club sandwiches. I don't ask for boneless auto repair. It's just what's expected. And then number three, we need to raise our children better. Our children are raised being afraid of having bones attached to their meat. That's where meat comes from. It grows on bones. We need to teach them that the wing of a chicken is from a chicken and it's delicious. I propose that we rename boneless wings in the city of Lincoln. We can call them buffalo style chicken tenders. We can call them wet tenders. We can call them saucy nugs or trash. We can take these steps and show the country that where we stand and that we understand that we've been living a lie for far too long and we know it because we feel it in our bones. Thank you. Incredible. Incredible. Couldn't have been more right on the money. I mean, just my favorite part about that, Gordon, is where he says, and of course, I'm talking about boneless chicken wings and people start to laugh. And he's like, hey, hey, this is my time. Simmer down. <laughs> this is my time. <laughs> That's incredible. I like, that. I, like, I, ho- I like the whole idea of saucy nugs. I've always kind of wondered about that, right? Because boneless chicken wings, and, and I've ordered them before, but I, I couldn't help but thinking, like, is, is this a chicken wing? He's totally right. It's not wing. It's not a wing at all. It is. It's a tender. So are you a bone-in or a bone-out guy? That doesn't exist. What you're talking about, what you're, what, the guy know. is right. That is not a choice. Okay, so bone-in or another part of the chicken. Yes, exactly. Do you like the regular wings better? Then what? Then the nugs. Well, what are you talking about? Then the chicken breast, the the driest, yeah. grossest part of the chicken. Yeah, I'd like the <laughs> beak more than the breast. Oh jeez! Oh, if Austin were here right now, he'd be he'd be circling all. He'd be saving all this sound. Well, he, what? I, I'm a I'm a drumstick guy. I'm a passionate drumstick guy, but I have to go with something else. I'll go with the thigh, and I can work my way up. Uh, I'll I'll eat the wings. If I'm at, um, uh, let's just say this, if I'm at a a bar and I'm eating food, but I'm not so sure the quality, you know, how good the food's going to be, usually you're pretty good uh, just ordering wings in that circumstance. Hmm. But but what about you? You you ask for my thoughts on this. Oh, I, I like them both. I like them both. I'm not going to complain about the saucy nugs. I mean, I like the saucy nugs, but uh, but uh, but I like the I like the the wing as well. Um, Typical Gordon, right prepared. on the fence, right no, there on the. I fence. like them both. I just wants I'm not to on use the, the fence. I'm, a, I'm not on the fence. I'm on both sides of it. Right, right. And you just wanted to use the creepy term "saucy nugs" as much as you. No, that's could. what the guy said. He said some other things too. He said trash. I don't hear you saying that. Yeah, but I like the saucy nugs that has a ring to it. Hmm. <laughs> Although I got to admit, on the uh, the after the Jazz get beat by the nugs, I, I you know, were they saucy? <laughs> they were last night. You're with me on the chicken breast, though, right? Nobody actually likes the chicken breast. Well, now, okay, so where are the chi- where? From what part of the chicken are they getting the nuggets? That's what he said. It's from the the, the breast. The breast, yeah. 
okay. I like I like chicken nuggets. Well, I, no, like I don't think nugs. you like your your fast food chicken nuggets. They're they're coming from like entrails, dude. That's not coming from the 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 chicken oh, breast. It's like the hot dog. Yeah, that's 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 other things. Anything but the We're feathers. Scraping stuff off the floor and packing it in there. I once watched a, a, a show on how chicken nuggets were made, and if you ever want to eat a chicken nugget again, don't watch it because it really yeah, but, they make yeah, it into chicken, a they make it into te- a paste first, and then they put it into a mold. I'm not but, kidding. But, but the the nut the, the uh, tenders, you can see the, the the you can see the fresh meat in there. Yeah, I think that's what he was saying. I think that's the chicken breast, not the wing. Right. Right. right, but that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about the the, the tenders. Uh, uh, are they always sort of <laughs> what you call it, packed entrails? I mean, that's the nugget, not the boneless wing. Your chicken, fast food chicken nuggets. Yeah. Okay, so are the okay? So what's the difference? But that's what I'm asking here. What the bone? The boneless wing is what? It's the chicken breast. It's not made for. It's a slice right. of chicken breast they make to look like a wing. Well, then why did he say the saucy nugs, then? He was coming up with different names for the boneless chicken. Right. I know, but a nug is a nug, right? There is no part of the chicken called the nugget. (laughs) That's not a thing. That's not a thing. You mean to tell me that none of the dinosaur-shaped chicken that I ate as a child is naturally <laughs> That's not harvested? A part. Yeah, no, not harvested at all, actually. Oh, look what you did. Now, now you've disappointed Lundy. He, he's been thinking that all these years. Wow, and they, you... What's your favorite uh, cut of chicken? Uh, you like the drumstick, the the, the tender, or the, uh, the thigh, the breast? I like the nugget. The nugget <laughs> is my favorite cut. No, no, no. The nugget is, is something that's artificial that may or may not con- like contain chicken. If memory serves properly, I think Bowler and I kind of forced you into eating a bull nug once. Uh, yeah, I don't think we called it a nug, but yeah. All right, coming up, we'll get back to basketball. Stay tuned. Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Welcome back. Gordon, uh, this song's about Avril Lavigne wanting to date like a like a bad boy skater boy. It's called Skater Boy. I don't know if you've heard this song. I've heard it, but I didn't want to pay much attention to it. So, kind of a counterculture type dude. You would. Uh, my question for you is: Would Avril Lavigne be have been interested in you in college? Uh. <laughs> uh well, I had. Uh... There, I had, I, I, yeah, well, well, I had, there was me and then there was Jester. You're backpedaling. There's no way. <laughs> no way you were counterculture bad boy in high school. <laughs> uh, you said college. You, you were a counterculture bad boy in college, just not high school? No, I really not. No, I no, couldn't, I, mean, I couldn't I picture had, that I had being some... you. I had some spice to me, but I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't boring, but I wasn't a bad boy. What was the quote? What was the baddest thing that you did in your youth? (laughs) (laughs) I cannot disclose that, man. Come on. What what word did you just use? You had your edge? Give us an example. No. What do you mean no? Hey, those things are locked up in the vault. 
<laughs> we're not. We're not asking you about the time you robbed a liquor store, Gordon. We just wanted to know what you did in your youth to give you some edge that the girls would like. Um, I just had a way about me, you know. I mean, I don't, no, I, I don't. I, just... <laughs> I, don't. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I had some edginess to me. Did yeah, you wear I like had... a? Did you wear like a leather jacket like the Fonz? <laughs> Now that came in style after. <laughs> oh, so a little bit before. Uh, did you go with like the 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 brown leather vest and no shirt and a and bell bottoms, <laughs> with, with long gross hair? Man, you're bringing back memories now. There's no way that was you. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't a law breaking type, but I was. You know, I I I had the rule said, following had... type. <laughs> no, well, sort of. Yeah, it's all right, buddy. I wasn't a bad boy either. It's fine. You can admit it. It's all right. Yeah, I don't think we got into our chosen profession because we were both cool. <laughs> <laughs> Where did all the cool people go? Well, they end not up into doing. sports media. I'll tell you that. <laughs> What happened to all the what happened to all the bad boy cool people? What where they what they end up doing for a living? I don't know, man. They're probably accountants down at the bank or something. Probably. I, investment bankers, maybe? I guess. I don't know, Gordon. The ones that were gonna change the world? Were those the cool people? Because the, the <laughs> quote unquote cool people that I knew in high school had no desire to change the world whatsoever. Oh yeah, they were they were blazing new paths, man. Yeah, if you mean by smoking cigarettes behind the gym. <laughs> That's not all they were smoking. All right. More Big Show coming up next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We've got everything going on. Wrapping up a Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thanks for making us part of your day. It's uh, I said this beginning of the show, Gordon. It, it was weird today. We're supposed to have locker room cleanout today. And uh, obviously we had an extended post game with uh, more players after the game that were available to kind of take the place of locker room cleanout. And everything about this NBA season has been weird and bizarre. But I got to admit, today feels a little weird that we're not over at the practice facility. Yeah, that's true. And uh, or preparing for a game one against the Clippers. Yeah. You know, that that, well, that was a real possibility for the Jazz. So so yeah, it's over. It's over. And uh we uh we move forward trying to break down what the Jazz will do next, what uh what the future holds for them. And uh I, I think on the whole, what we heard out of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, like we were talking about with Locke. Uh, after the game last night uh, is uh, breeds optimism for the Jazz's future. I couldn't believe it earlier today when you advocated to blow up the whole team. I thought that was controversial. It's not exactly what I said. You said trade everyone. I mean, that's, that's pretty that's hard to misunderstand. That's not what I said. You, you said, well, you can't trade cut. I thought that was pretty severe. That's not what I said. And we did get the uh, whole, uh, you know, that whole chicken wing thing all figured out. No, we nice. didn't. And your lack of ability to grasp that really surprised me. <laughs> like I grasped it perfectly. You were the one that brought in the whole, the third uh, uh, deal there that that uh, chicken wings and chicken breasts 
are, are also, uh, you know, uh, added there too by nuggets that are uh, nothing but kind of congealed chicken parts. Right. And I had to tell you that because you thought the nugget was actually a part of the chicken. No, I didn't. Yes, I, you I, well, did. No, you I said, didn't. Well, where does the nugget come from? I, I, that's because I thought that, as the man in the uh, city council meeting said, that the chicken breast is could be potentially part of a a chicken nug. No, he said another word for boneless chicken meat wings could possibly mean spicy nugs. He didn't say anything. Did he say spicy or saucy? Saucy. I don't. It doesn't matter. But yeah, I had to inform you that the nugget is not a part of the chicken, which I, I never knew, thought was something I, I would have to tell to you. I know there's no such thing as a chicken nug. Come on. That's what Michael, I said to my, you. What, I know, but what I was saying was what need is in there. And you automatically went to, they were scraping up the floor and packing it in. And I was saying that that, uh, that doesn't necessarily discount that there could be chicken breast in a chicken nug. Oh, man. All right. Well, Gordon, listen, uh, you enjoy your evening, buddy. And let's not give this a second thought. Well, I don't want to think about chicken entrails. Like, you were the one that brought that up. Hey, man, you want to know what was in the chicken nuggets? I told you. All right. That's what I do, Gordon. You ask uh, silly questions, I give you uh, very direct, <laughs> direct and accurate answers. All right. All right, buddy. Enjoy your evening. You too. All right. We'll talk to you tomorrow on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.